Welcome back, all you cool cats and kittens. Tonight we have with us uh, Chris, Brett, and Jose, and myself. We're going to be talking about the new spoilers that were just spoiled uh, at the CMON Expo. Uh, it was a podcast version because, you know, with everything going on, you know, it's understandable. Uh, but we got a lot of really cool stuff that revealed to us, a much-awaited, uh, you know, new faction, the Greyjoys. So, uh, yeah, we're going to jump into some of the, you know, single stuff out there first. So we're going to talk about, like, the Night's Watch, uh, Free Folk, Starks and Lannisters uh, attachments that they spoiled. Then we'll jump into Baratheons. Uh, we're going to add in the Priestess and the Champions of the Stag and uh, the Greyjoys as the final uh, you know, thing that we talk about. Uh, the Targaryens, though, the Pikemen and the... Uh, I forget what they're called. The... What do you guys know what they're called? The other thing, like the beast uh, people, the lions. The cars. Oh, okay, yeah. So both of those units, we are going to save those for a different episode because we still have yet to talk about Targaryen Hero Box 1. So definitely expect that show to be coming up very uh, soon in the next, like, week or two. Um, So... I am sorry for any of those that were hoping, you know, for us to kind of, you know, talk about those two units, but we wanted to kind of help fill out uh, that Targaryen episode with a little more content. So, um, yeah, tonight we'll be talking about pretty much the Champions of the Stag and uh, the Red Priestess in place of those two units, since those are also some uh, spoilers that we got. Um, But... As always, going to give you guys a rundown of the show. We do the show live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Uh, we do it live so that you guys can call in. Uh, we've been doing a pretty good job about kind of keeping up with our Facebook and all that good stuff. So definitely check out our Facebook page and give a bunch of likes. We have uh, only about 12 or 13 likes away, I think, from uh, hitting our 600 like mark. So I'm going to extend uh, extend it till the end of the show before we announce uh, our winners. So uh, if we don't hit 600, I'm sure we'll hit it by next week, and we'll uh, we'll announce a, an, an additional winner next week as well. So uh, you know, just keep that in mind. Share out the page. You know, like the page. And make sure you're liking if if you see like the posts, you know definitely like the posts, but uh, follow the link to our Facebook page. That's where we uh, need you to hit a like and share that out so people can know where to go to get all of our content, um, as well as obviously the the different sites that we have our shows recorded on. But, uh, on our Facebook page, I did post, I'm going to start posting on our Facebook page, like the call-in number, if you guys want to call in and, you know, give us your thoughts, especially tonight with all the cool spoilers that we got. So definitely call in and we will try to get to as many callers as we can. Um, so I think that about wraps up uh, the intro. First up, we're going to talk about the best faction there is, and that would be Starks. Uh, the Mormont Veteran. So this is a, a one-point generic attachment with Hardened. 
each time this unit is attacked after defense are rolled, uh, defense dice are rolled for each of its destroyed ranks. It's automatic. It automatically blocks one additional hit. So, um, right off the bat, I wasn't like too impressed with this unit or with this attachment. It just didn't seem like it, you know, compared to a lot of the other Stark attachments and, you know, the Stark have some really strong, uh, attachments in general, let alone their generic ones. I mean, the Sworn Sword Captain came in the original starter box, and that is still, you know, probably one of my absolute favorite attachments in this game. Uh, but uh, one thing I didn't notice right off the bat is that this will uh, trigger for ranged and melee attack, and it's not an order, so you're going to be blocking... Uh, one to two hits, oh, possibly no hits, you know, if you're at full ranks, but, um, you know, possibly one to two hits every single attack if you're down a rank. And then combined with, like, shield wall, you can make totally shields a very hard uh, unit to take down if if they're at one rank. You know, a three-up save with, you know, Blocking D3 plus two additional. I mean, you could be blocking upwards of five hits. It can get to be uh, pretty insane. So, um, so I'm going to go to Jose first here because I know uh, before Baratheons, you were pretty big into uh, Starks. And not only that, uh, you're more of the defensive player and you love the Tully aspect of Starks. So what do you think about uh, Mr. Mormont vet- veteran here? Or Mrs. Mormont <laughs> um, veteran. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked it. For um, one point, I think it's solid. Uh, you know, I can't really complain. Uh, I think it pairs well with the Tully unit, and I actually think it works really good with Berserkers too. Um, I think that'd be a cool combo. Like, just kind of give them like a little bit of a, a buffer because you know they're they're five up or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think it's a good tool for the Starks to have. Um, I don't really have any complaints. I think it's I think it's fine for its point value. So I, I like it. I like I like the uh, the new testament. Agreed. And I think uh it definitely I think shines a little better for in my opinion, like medium to defensive, but it definitely can, you know, help uh the more aggressive units, you know become a little more defensive, I guess. So, like, my main list is super, like, aggro, aggressive list, but I run Blackfish in order to give it just a little bit of extra staying power. Uh, and, you know, something like this definitely would help uh, in some regards. Then again, you know, my list is already kind of airtight, but, uh, you know, one point uh, might... Uh, throw one of these in a unit and just kind of test it out because you never know until you kind of get some games in about it. Uh, what do you think, Brett? I know you've kind of been on and off the Stark uh, train here and there. You know, I just try to uh, not follow what everybody else is playing, but uh, that doesn't seem to work out too well. But <clears throat> um, Maybe that's just what I tell myself to make myself feel better when I picked up uh, – Lannisters, Night's Watch, and Starks, and so, but uh, I think she's good. Um, I think, like uh, Jose said, it seems to make sense in Berserkers. Um, it fills a 
role that they're otherwise lacking. Uh, a five-plus defensive save isn't great. Um, Four-plus morale is pretty fantastic. So adding a little bit of survivability to their, you know, their ability to take hits makes a lot of sense. So um, ideally, you want your Berserkers down one rank. Uh, they get down two ranks. They start to get, you know, you start to get a little bit worried with them, but uh, perhaps, you know, just blocking those free hits will will help them stick around a little bit longer and really uh, bring the pain with those 9 to 10 attacks that they'll do. So uh, she makes sense, I think. Um, you could put her in Sworn Shields and make a just a super, super, super defensive unit that's going to be almost impossible to move. Um, it seems maybe a little bit redundant to do that because they're already defensive and you might prefer to put uh, like a Sworn Sword Captain or or something else in there to kind of give them a little bit more offensive output, but definitely you could make a seven-point tank that could, uh, you know, be compared to units like Veterans of the Watch with their ability to hold a point. So um, I like it. I think it's a good design. It's it's pretty interesting. Um, So, yeah, it's definitely something different uh, to the always aggressive start. So. Plus, uh, let's not forget that if we're seeing a and uh we're seeing a Mormont attachment, we're probably going to see a Mormont unit. And with that said, this might pair with that unit like ridiculously well. You know, uh, the Umber champion uh, triggers with you know Umber units really well. The Sworn Swordsman with well, technically everything, but you know with the Sworn Sword uh, unit. So, you know, I have no you know, doubt now that, that uh, – go ahead. I was just going to say, now that you're saying it, I don't know why it didn't hit me at first. I actually like this Mormon attachment and just the generic Sworn Swords. I know the uh, the thought process is to just go with the Sworn Sword Captain, but actually if you are burning up Stark Fury to, to really bring the pain offensively, you're dropping your ranks for yourself, and consequently you're making yourself a little bit more defensive by triggering her ability. So uh, when they get down to two ranks and then down to their last rank where they no longer suffer the penalty for um, Stark Fury, uh, blocking two hits automatically would be pretty nice, actually, now that, now that I'm thinking about it. A four-plus save yeah, is pretty decent. Yeah, I, I kind of like that, actually. I like that a lot. Yeah, that could work. That could work really well. And uh, so she blocks. She blocks the hits whether they come from the front, front flank or rear. So, yeah, I yeah, I think her and sworn swords or maybe even the great axes. I think it would be pretty solid. Something that's kind of in the middle of the road as far as defensive and offensive output, and then she just you know cranks up the the defense as opposed to the the SS captain cranking up the offense. So I kind of like it. And one thing I want to point out, I noticed a couple of people on the uh, main page were discussing this attachment and comparing it to Serio. Uh, to be totally honest, I feel like that's not really like a good comparison just because you're talking about a two-point attachment uh, compared to a one-point uh, generic versus you know, a character. And on top of that, you need to take Arya to even take Serio. Serio also has precision, which is really only useful mostly with critical blow. I mean, it's still an ability that does stuff, but uh, you're really looking to combo that with a critical blow unit. Uh, the And then the, his ability for the minus one is just an order, so it's only going to happen for one attack. So I feel like 
yes, obviously Serio is better, but I mean he's also two points with a three-point uh, tag along. So I feel like they fill different roles. I mean they're both good. Uh, so I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily want to lump them in the same category, except for you know lumping them into the category of uh, more of a defensive attachment. I know Serio has the precision, which is offensive, but I, you know, if I'm taking him, I'm usually taking him for the the order. Um, so just wanted to throw that out there. What about uh, you, Chris? How do you uh, like the Mormon attachment? I think she's pretty solid. Kind of like everybody else has said, she adds a little extra defense in a, pretty much an offensive unit, just a little buffer. Like, I said, uh, like you're saying, with the Berserkers, I think that's a great spot for them. And like Brett pointed out with the the Sworn Swords. So, I think not bad for one point. Yeah, agreed. And, I mean, I will throw out there my one concern is that she won't be seen. You, you won't see her played much uh, for the same reason that Umber Champions won't uh or the umber champion original design wasn't seen much and that's just the lack of an inherent ability uh so you're not getting any benefit right off the bat and you're still you're not going to get one until you lose a rank just like with the umber champions uh old uh ability which uh what was it you got uh what was what did you get it was after you lost one rank you gained uh, was it vicious or was that after you lost two ranks? It's been so long I can't even remember. For the original one, uh, man, let me see. Hold on, let me see if I have the card for it. I have no oh, idea. Yeah, I it, think was, it was uh, you lost one rank, you're vicious, and at at uh, if you lost two ranks, so you're down to your last rank. Every single time you attacked, uh, your opponent became panicked, I believe, because it wasn't an yeah, order. Yeah, I believe that. <clears throat> Uh, so, I mean, awesome ability, and I loved it, but it wasn't being seen just because, you know, Sworn Sword Captain, you're instantly getting that that buff or that ability uh, right from the get-go. You didn't have to worry about dying to get it. So I, that's my one fear for her uh, is that she's not going to see a lot of play for the reason that she's she's not giving an ability until you start dying. We'll see. Like I said, I, I still like it as a one-point attachment. So, But uh, I think we can kind of move on to the next uh, attachment here. We will talk about the Walrus Clan Chieftain. Uh, this is the Free Folk uh, attachment that was uh, spoiled. It is an order, uh, Resilience. When the unit is attacked, after attack dice are rolled, this unit only suffers one wound for every two unblocked hits. So basically... You know, you're getting the uh, ability from, you know, that the Giants have, but on a unit, which is ridiculously powerful. Uh, I mean, think of how hard it is to get through a Giants five uh, or six wounds now. I mean, you're looking at a 12-wound uh, uh, unit. I mean, that's like trying to kill two giants. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine this guy is only one point. What do you think, uh, Brett? 
Well, I mean, it's all protection of the father, minus the fact that you have to take a morale test. So if you've ever played against the High Sparrow, um, particularly with his faith units, I think you've kind of come to realize how difficult it can be to bring those units down, even if they have a terrible defensive save. So happily, this is just an order, so it'll only happen once per round, but it is a very, very, very good ability. So interestingly, this one doesn't say to discard the remainders, uh, but I'm, I'm certain that you still discard the remainders on that. But, uh, yeah, that's a really strong ability. Um, I think it would be it would be great on any unit. I mean, you can turn a, a regular unit of raiders into a proper tank. Um, if you were to put him in a unit like the Thin Warriors, who are, you know, you're already never getting charge bonus, never getting flank, never getting rear <clears throat> against them, and then now you're only getting one wound through for every unblocked hit, the, their four-plus defensive save and their six-plus morale is, is strong in the Free Folk Army, but I would argue that no flank bonus, no rear bonus ever is definitely better than a three-plus defensive save. So this might be just what the doctor ordered for those guys, and you might start to see Thins as a proper anvil with this guy added to them. Um, I think he's pretty interesting, uh, particularly when you mix in some Chosen of Sire. So now you're weakened, and you're basically having the number of wounds that you cause. So I think there are some combos coming in their future, uh, which would be pretty fantastic, and, and maybe you would see less of the skin changer spam, and, and maybe people will kind of break that mold and, and venture into some different builds, and it would be great to see some different free folk units on the table. So I think he's going to add a lot. I'm not sure that he'll be one point, but it's possible. Um, historically, free folk have gotten pretty fantastic attachments for a pretty low price, so... I, I wouldn't be overly surprised if he's one point. I, I put the value at it, uh, one or two. So. Yeah, I don't know. One point, I feel like that would be, like, crazy good. Uh, no, he'd, he'd mean, have to be at least two, I think. Well, because, you know, four-point Raiders where uh, – because you got to think, yes, it's an order only happening once around, but you also have to remember that you're only attacking once around without, like, outside effects. Uh, so imagine, you know, you can already easily one-on-one with free folk, like with extras. So I, I guess what I'm getting at is your opponent's not going to out, you know, activate you with like units. So, uh, like actual combat units, like wolves and NCUs aside. So if you're only getting one attack for every, you know, uh, one free folk unit, then this ability is going to be able to shut off or be able to affect, you know, like 90% of your attacks or more, you know, outside of like when you can take the combat zone or whatnot. So, I mean, for, if you just wanted to Raider spam at four points each with this guy and, uh, you know, you're looking at what, 10 Raiders all with, uh, you know, the ability to, have everything you do to them. So, I don't know. I will be very surprised if it's one point, but we'll see. I mean, only time will tell. Uh, but my guess right now is it's going to, is like probably two points. Even then, this this is probably, in my opinion, the new strongest single ability on a card. Whereas before I was, uh, uh, my opinion was 
cut him down was the single strongest uh, ability on a, like an attachment. But time will tell. Um, Chris, what do you think? You're uh, you're our free folk player. Well, I'm really digging these guys because he builds in defense to an army that really doesn't have it very well. I kind of want to put him in the followers of Bone just to keep them alive a little longer, but I don't know if I'm willing to sacrifice some of the better ones that go into that unit, but I'll have to test it out a little bit. But I really want to see if they make a walrus people unit and what they do. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing. You know, you have to factor what, uh, you know, the new clan is going to bring to Free Folk. Uh, I can't imagine that, you know, he's just going to be a walrus, walrus clan chieftain without, you know, the implementation of uh, the walrus clan, like, unit. So we'll see uh, how that all plays out. So, um what about you, Jose? Anything uh, that we didn't really touch on? Uh, no, I think you guys pretty much covered it. Um, you know, I just I don't think he'll be worth a point. I think he needs to be more than a point. And then, uh, like Chris said, I think he just brings a lot of uh, defense to the the free folk army because they need it. So, <laughs> but yeah, other than that, I think you guys pretty much covered everything. All right, next up uh, is the Hardened Ranger for the Night's Watch. Uh, this guy is pretty awesome. Uh, I don't think we know his point cost either, but, I mean, I can't imagine he's only one point. I'm going to guess two points, but he has Bushwhack, uh, which is the same ability that the new Outriders have, which is uh, an all the, you know, it's a, a constant ability that, Enemies this unit successfully charge in the flank or rear become panicked and weakened. And then it also has elusive escape. The unit may re-roll all retreat dice distance rolls. Uh, enemies this unit disengage from suffer D3 wounds and may not pivot. So these guys just in Ranger Hunters is pretty nasty. Uh, being able to, you know, combined with their abilities, you can really you know, put out a lot of damage and, you know, prevent, you know, and get a lot of, like, maneuverability out of these guys. Um, I'm going to go to Brett again uh, first because I know you, you play Nice Watch a lot. What do you think of these guys? Oh, this guy is fantastic. Um, I know that there's obvious synergy with the Ranger Hunters because of their uh, Swift Retreat order, but I'm seeing just ungodly powerful combination with uh, a unit like Sworn Brothers that have um, Watcher on the Wall attached when they control the maneuver zone. So they get to make that uh, that free retreat and they can't pivot. And then Sworn Brothers are in your flank and you're panicked and weakened and it's all bad all day long. Um, that's just, ugh, that's just scary to even imagine. Um, there's not much that stands up to Sworn Brothers in the front if they're, you know, panicked and potentially vulnerable from a Ranger uh, tracker unit that's close by or, or even from uh, a couple of the cards that they have that, that offer vulnerable tokens. Uh, 
the sword in the darkness comes to mind as does uh, Alistair's um, seeing their flaws card. So uh, I, I don't know. Unless you roll horribly, taking a full-on flank charge from Sworn Brothers uh, with critical blow thundering and you're vulnerable and panicked, I, I think you're pretty hosed. Um, that's what I'm seeing as the, the most potent thing. Now, it does require some setup, but as we all know, Night's Watch has a knack for getting the cards that they need in hand pretty quickly. So uh, this guy can become very, very, very scary with the with the right setup and the right things going on. Um, and even then with the Rangers, uh, as they are with their automatic, you know, basically built-in hit-and-run ability, um, and then being able to shoot into your flank guaranteed uh, is pretty nice. And then uh, being able to reroll that retreat distance is, it's pretty solid for the Rangers too, because they're not meant really to to be too close to you. And the fact that you can't pivot to face them, so they're going to get that uh, they're going to get that free flank shot off, and presumably you're going to re-roll that uh, charge distance in case you or that flee distance in case you roll low. You should be six inches away from them on their flank probably after after the shift and everything is said and done. So it's a very very nice attachment. And then uh, yeah, the D3 wounds as well on top of it. So yeah, very, very, very scary combo there. If, if some things go well. Yeah. And like I said, I'm guessing these guys are two points and if you're going to throw them in hunters, you know, you're looking at a 10 point unit. So, uh, it's a big investment, but some of the combos with these guys could get pretty silly, uh, pretty fast if you don't, you know, watch uh watch what they're doing. It also gives a lot more merit to taking the maneuver zone for the watcher on the wall. That way you can get that free uh retreat at the start of every activation, uh triggering elusive escape over and over. So, I mean, what if you have that with hunters, you activate free retreat, you know, with a reroll, you know, you're moving at least 7 if not more. Uh, and then disengaging, disengaging, doing E3, so two on average. Then you're going to charge the flank. Then when you charge the flank, uh, you know they're going to become panicked and weakened. Uh, you're going to do your damage, and then they have the ability where now where they retreat uh, after, or they uh, they can retreat and then shoot after they've charged. Let me pull it up. Yeah, I'm sorry. So I didn't know you were asking questions. Yes, they can. They can retreat after they attack the Rangers. Yeah, it's a swift strike. Uh, after this attack is completed, this unit may make a free retreat action if engaged, and then quick fire after this unit completes a maneuver or retreat, you may make one free ranged attack. So, uh, elusive escape does not uh, is not a, an order. So. Man, you're going to be probably killing that unit, you know, between a flank charge, a flank shot, and two D3 auto wounds. Uh, I mean, you're definitely going to have to, you know, charge these guys first. If you let them kind of do their thing to you, even at 10 points, it's going to be really bad. Um, so just keep that in mind. Uh, it's definitely even at, you know, at two points, I think two points is like perfect uh, cost for some of the crazy combo potential that he has with hunters. Um, and then 
Brett, you were talking about vulnerable. Were you talking about like from a uh, like if like you had a tracker unit or something like a hunter tracker? Yeah, if you've got ranger trackers within long range, you can easily make them vulnerable. But there's uh there's also the Alistair card seeing their flaws as uh, a pretty easy way to drop a panicked and a vulnerable token over and over again if your commander is Alistair. Uh, Sword in the Darkness, you could make them vulnerable automatically when you make an attack. And um, don't play a whole lot of other command. Oh, a Fire That Burns Against the Cold, you can you can make them vulnerable the, uh, the moment you activate. So you can get pretty tricky yep. with... Uh, Horn that wakes the sleeper, controlling the letters, and then taking a fire that burns against the cold either out of your hand or out of your discard pile, swapping it out with the vow if you could, swapping the vows out if you control the letter, drop the condition token that you need, which would be vulnerable in this case since Bushwhack provides the other ones. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> you can get pretty tricky yeah. with the vow mechanic. Um, I think Night's Watch uh, people complain about them being. You know, the, this super easy faction to just kind of run across the board and make everything work. But the scary thing is if, if you get clever with the combat, with the, uh, sorry, the tactics board zones that you control, and you get clever with the way that you play the vows, it, it becomes even trickier and, and even worse. So uh, I think Horn That Wastes the Sleeper is a fantastic vow, and I think people kind of overlook some of the tricks that you can do when you control the letters with swapping that vow out and making things happen right now that you need to happen agreed and uh i think this will add an, a new like depth of play for the night's watch because i feel like more often than not night's watch are kind of straightforward you know in your face elite you know faction right now uh this gives a lot more merit to the maneuverability to the faction like kind of some of the tricks it can now pull off uh with this attachment what about uh, you, Jose? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you guys pretty much covered it. Uh, I do like what Brett pointed out, though, using it with um, the Horn that Wakes the Sleeper, the card, the one that makes you get free retreat. Uh, watcher on the Wall. Watcher on the Wall, yeah. Um, I didn't even think of that combo. It's a really good combo. Um, and like you, like you said, Dave, it makes, it makes the card uh, have a lot more uh, merit as far as going for the a horse on the NCU board, um, but yeah, I think I think he's a solid attachment, um, and yeah, I think I think you guys pretty much covered everything. What about you, Chris? Like y'all said, and I think Brett elaborated pretty well on it. But I do the one thing I really like about it is you can almost put it in any unit to make it good. It's not like it, it just fits in one really well. Any of them become much better just by adding this guy. And I concur. I think it's a two-pointer. Yep, definitely. Uh, last on, uh, before we jump into some of the more bigger pools of uh, for the factions like Baratheons and Greyjoys, uh, we have our Lannister attachment, which is a cavalry attachment. Uh, Clegane Butcher. It has Spread Fear, which is the same thing that the Dreadfort Captain has, which is each time an enemy engaged with this unit fails panic test, one other enemy within Wong of that unit becomes panicked. It has Weaken Resolve. When an enemy engaged with this unit fails a panic, that enemy becomes weakened. So, um, I think more so than the attachment, 
I think the thing I'm more excited about is that I think, you know, if anyone listened to our show about like predictions and, you know, wish listing, uh, is that this is probably a precursor to uh mountain mounted mountainsmen. Um I think it depends on what the mountain mounted mountainsmen uh you know look like. But as it is, I don't know if I necessarily like this guy in uh, in any in the Knights of Castle Rock or Flayed Men at the moment for two points. I think it just doesn't synergize well enough for a two point cost. But I think I think two points is probably where it's fair, probably based on whatever they have in the pipeline. Uh, so that's, I guess that's kind of my prediction because being able to hand out, you know, two or more, uh, or tokens every round, I mean, cause it's every time you fail a panic, you're giving, every time your opponent fails your panic, you're giving out a panicked and a weakened. So, and then if you're able to panic the unit they're in, to then trigger spread fear onto a different unit. I mean, it just, you know, it will just be able to compound how many uh, tokens you're going to hand out. So, like, if you're running, like, a Tywin list, let's say you're running, like, Tywin with a bunch of Mountains men. Granted, you know, the Mountain with a bunch of Mountains men would be awesome, too. But I bring up Tywin because he has that weakened mechanic. If you run him... And, you know, you have uh, this guy in, like, your cavalry units. Let's say they do have, like, uh, mounted mountainsmen. And then, you know, you just run some basic mountainsmen. You could really be throwing panics and weakens left and right and really triggering a lot of that stuff, especially if, you know, my assumption that the mountains mountain men have vicious, you know, you're going to be able to trigger these two tokens pretty, uh, pretty easily. So... What do you think, uh, uh, Chris? I know you're a huge fan of the Lannisters. I do love me some Lannisters. But, like I say, <laughs> if anybody I do like is them Clegane folk. So, like you mentioned just not too long ago, I think the most excited thing I have about these guys is that the Mountain Mountains met can't be too far behind. And those I really can't wait for. What would be you, uh, Jose? Uh, yeah, same same as you. I think uh, you know. I think he's he's an okay attachment. I agree that he doesn't have any synergies right now with what's available. Um, and I think, like you said, the biggest anticipation is going to be um, it's going to be just that you want. I want to see the unit that he comes out with. Um, I think it'll be a fun unit for anyone that runs like a, a Cordain list, and um, I think he might shine more in something like that. Who knows? But uh, for now, I don't think he has a whole lot of, uh, of synergies with anyone. And then, Brett, what do you think? I think he works pretty well. Um, you mentioned the Tywin list and the Vargo list. Um, I don't think Vargo is as terrible as people think, but I, I feel like we already covered that. Um He's actually halfway decent. His cards are, are sneaky good. Um, but that said, um, I think it's okay with Lannister Supremacy. So, um, 
you know, I think a lot of people when the when the Dreadfort Captain came out, a lot of people when, you know, initially with the very early release, people were curious about trying a Dreadfort Captain with Lannister Guard, you know, to be able to spread fear with Lannister supremacy. I think this guy's pretty decent knights. Um, they're a little bit easier to trigger the the Lannister supremacy with morale six instead of seven. Uh, you mix in the Heist Barrow in there, who's becoming a very popular commander. Uh, it's pretty easy to make them fail that test and become weakened, and then you can kind of spread that panic token. Uh, is that unit of knights worth 10 points? Um, maybe, probably not. It depends on, you know, exactly what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, my p- only problem with the attachment, I think it's a good design, and I, I think it's a great attachment. My only issue with it is that Lannisters are already kind of behind the eight ball with the, the sudden change in the meta and, uh, focusing more on an activation advantage and just setting up that one big play that kind of starts to have a domino effect on the on the course of the game. Uh, they're already behind, so I don't think that they can spend ten points on a, a unit of knights with a, a cool attachment. I just don't. I just don't think they can afford to do it. So that's the only hiccup I see. I really like him. Um, I'm willing to give him a try, but uh, yeah, I think I think until. Lannisters have a cheaper activation or, or something like that to fill fill in that gap. I think uh, I think he probably won't see the field. They'll just run knights with no attachment. Yeah, and you know him and knights. You know you're really banking on them to fail that panic. I feel like in order to really you know combo with his abilities well, you got to have vicious already on the unit. And yes, uh, you know, flayed men have vicious, but only on the charge, because it's every time uh, a unit engaged with them fails to panic, you really want uh, something with staying power. And I think that's what we kind of discussed in our um, episode about, you know, the mountain, you know, wanting the mounted mountainsmen is that they would probably be more of like a, like a medium cavalry, you know, stay, stay more staying power, but cheaper not super like defensive uh and i'm sure they'll have vicious and that will make this attachment all the more you know desirable because let's say it's more of like a six point um cavalry unit maybe seven you're like so you're looking at eight or nine points you know just depending on what the design of that unit is and being able to toss out all those tokens will definitely uh come in handy so um next we're going to move on to uh, Baratheon, starting with the Red Priestess. So she was uh, spoiled a little bit prior to the Simon Expo, uh, but we felt like adding her in here just, you know, just to, so we didn't uh, forget about her. But this is also on our, um, you know, something we discussed quite a bit that uh, kind of predicted was coming down the pipeline, and that's just, you know, a hunch from how. Uh, you know the uh, the faith were in uh, Lannisters, how they didn't have an inherent way to trigger their uh, faith tokens without then getting in battle and then possibly you know dying. So uh, the Red Priestess for the Baratheons is a, in a constant ability, which is each time this unit attacks, poor attack dice are rolled and may make a morale test. If it would fail, it may suffer one wound to reroll all dice. On a success, the defender becomes panicked and vulnerable. So uh, there is a lot of confusion initially with this ability. I am going to, uh, this is how it works, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, anyone who disagrees. It's 
if it would fail, it may suffer one wound to reroll all dice. It's saying that you would take a wound to be able to reroll all of your morale test, meaning you can't pick and choose which dice, and it's specifically it's it's talking about the morale test because the sentence is preceding the role that you're making for the morale test. Some people were saying that you get to reroll your attack dice and, you know, you would want to fail um, and just a bunch of kind of weird, uh, you know, things that people were kind of discussing it might mean. But I think this is just giving you a way to, you know, be able to pass. So you could throw this in a, you know, uh, like, you know, pretty much any unit, even if it has a mediocre uh, morale, because if you're getting to reroll, I mean, your chances are uh, significantly increased that you're going. It, granted, you have to reroll all the dice, but uh, your chances significantly increase that you're going to be able to pass and then hand out panicked or vulnerable. Now, right away, these uh, the red priestess will combo with the uh, Relore Faithful really, really well, and now make Relore Faithful something really to be feared and be able to get you some of those tokens, especially stack up the tokens so that when they die, you're going to be able to trigger that uh, effect to get the free attack to another Relore within long. Um, so I'm going to jump over to uh, you first, Jose. What do you think, uh, being a Baratheon player? <clears throat> Uh, well, one, I want to say I understood the ability just as you described it. Um, I didn't understand it any other way. I uh, just wanted to throw that out there. And then as far as the attachment itself, I'm super pumped about it. Because um, like you said, it'll make the um, ruler faithful guys, I think, a lot better in my opinion. Um, I'm not saying they're bad now, but uh, definitely, like you said, something more to fear. Um, and it's nice to see if they have a way to take morale tests without, with like staying out at like, like not being as, as much in combat. Um, as far as like taking, you know, like taking the hits. <clears throat> so that's kind of exciting. And um, I believe she was one point, so that's also super good. Um, so the twin total, if you put them in the Ruler Faithful, it's eight points, and I think it's fair for everything you're getting with them. And um, yeah, she's she's someone I'm super pumped about. So I, I can't wait to uh, – I haven't used her yet for any playtesting, but that's definitely something I really want to do. Yeah, and one side note I want to bring up that we usually don't really talk about. Uh, I can't wait to have a bunch of her just to paint up, you know, in that, like, her red, like, fiery cloak or something, you know, with, like, the flaming stag you know, if possible, and have that in the unit, you know, because that, that attachment's really going to stand out, and I think it's going to look awesome. Uh, what do you think, Brett? Oh, I think at one point she is currently the best value in the game by far. Um, I don't want to compare apples and oranges because you can't compare things in faction, um, but she is... <laughs> unbelievably powerful for one point. Um, you already mentioned um, in the Relore Faithful seems to where seems to be where she belongs best for right now with their innately high morale um, and having Vicious already. But the fact of the matter is she works in everything, literally everything. Um, it's every attack. It's not just every melee attack. So she works really well in Bastard's Girls. Um, 
most notably because it's every attack, so she can potentially make them vulnerable and panicked for the shot, make them vulnerable and panicked for the follow-up melee attack. Um, she goes well in Stormcrow archers, who have the potential to attack more than once per round with the bags, the swords, and then their activation. Technically, if you play the board right, they will always attack at least twice per round. Um, she has the potential, and I know it's morale seven, but even even at morale seven, being able to re-roll the dice, uh, you've got a very good chance of making them panicked and vulnerable for each time you attack. And since it's, <laughs> since it's almost automatic, there's no reason not to expend both tokens um, every time you attack. Um, you roll the two on the D3, why not? Give it, a, give it a shot to take the reroll. you're probably getting the panic token back, particularly with um, Bastards, Girls, and the Stormcrow Archers, as I just mentioned. Um, you mix in, um, I don't know how to say their names. Is it uh, Celine and, and Shiree? Oh, yeah. It's the, the Queen and Princess. I'll just call them that, the Queen and Princess. Yep. Um, adding D3 wounds. I know you take D3 wounds in return, but uh, in the case of Bastards, Girls, they don't lose uh, their shot ever. They always have four shots, and they don't lose any of their attack profile until they're down to four models. So, I mean, why not? Uh, it's also going to make that unit a R'hllor unit. So, um, if you've got some R'hllor faithful mixed in, uh, you can use the R'hllor to give them... Is it remove an activation token or allow them to make a free attack? The R'hllor faithful's faith ability. I'll look it up really quick, but... Um, that said, uh, I think it's hard to argue that she's really anything but the best value. Two tokens, effectively for free, and in the case of the R'hllor Faithful, it is uh, basically three tokens for free. Um, it's really, really, really powerful. Um, I don't want to sit here and say that something is overpowered, but I was very, very, very surprised to hear that she was only one point. Um, yeah, it's for me, it is very, very, very scary. Now, I think one thing that might have made a, a little difference, I mean, it would have been a little step in a different, you know, I think in a little better direction would be if uh, it made you make a panic test. So I believe, you know, you'd still take, you'd, it would still fall under morale, so you would still trigger, like, the, the R'hllor uh, getting the tokens. But this way, if you did ultimately fail, you would be taking wounds, so more like risk-reward. That way, like, you could roll, fail, take one wound to re-roll, and then still fail, and then take you would essentially be taking D3 plus one plus the one you already took for the re-roll. Um, granted, you know, I mean, the chances of that happening are super low, but, uh, you know, maybe it would have been something to kind of offset how strong it is. Uh, even if just a little. But uh, one combo icon I want to bring up is even just uh, her and Stagnites. I mean, they're already eight points, but for nine points, uh, she's going to be possibly doing a wound to them to maybe be able to start triggering the Unwavering Fury. And you it gives a little more benefit to picking Vicious over the other two options because uh, I feel like Vicious is usually like the last go-to of the three options between uh, Critical Blow and Sundering. I think Sundering is like the most popular and Critical Blow. I mean, it all varies. I mean, everyone kind of has their own preferences. But I think if you're going to be making them vulnerable and panicked, that Vicious with the panic token 
is going to be amazing. Um, and they have a five up morale, so your chances of passing, especially with a reroll, is super high. Uh, so that's definitely a combo not to you know uh, forget about. What do you think, Chris? I think I agree with all y'all. <laughs> I can't really add much more than that. Are you jealous? You're like, man, I gotta get on the the Baratheon wagon. Well, I'm painting my Baratheons right now, but I don't know. I like my walrus guy. I was gonna say that doesn't say much. You painted your Lannisters, so <laughs> I only painted the starter part of them so I can use them for demos. So they're the last thing I paint. <laughs> But yeah, so overall, I think this is an amazing attachment. Definitely worth uh, every point or every bit of its point. Um, it's, I agree with you, Brent. It's probably arguably the best attachment there is out there. Uh, but, uh, you know, I guess time will tell. I haven't gotten a chance to really play uh, a game with her yet. But I do have a list, like you were mentioning with Bastard Girls. I have one at the Stannis list where it's Stannis and Bastard Girls, and then another Bastard Girls with the Red Priestess. And it's, you know, I'm really looking forward to trying that one out. So, all right, moving on, we're going to jump into, uh, we're going to talk about them kind of simultaneously because they kind of fit together really well is uh, the Champions of the Stag, uh, new unit that was spoiled. And Lord of Dragonstone, uh, Stannis Baratheon loyalty, uh, cavalry attachment. So, first to go over the unit itself. The unit is very similar to what Flayed Men used to be. They're 10 point cavalry unit, only moving four, so a bit slower. A two up save, five up morale, so uh, one better morale than Flayed Men are. Uh, they have eight six hitting on threes. So same attack profile as the Flademan. Um, you know, your usual cavalry innate abilities. And they have critical blow all the time. If the defender rolls any ones on any defensive saves, they become weakened. And then they have parry. When the unit is attacked with melee, for each attack die roll of one, the attacker suffers one wound. And then uh, jump right into the other ability real quick, the Lord of Dragonstone. Order Sentinel, after another friendly unit within long is attacked, uh, this unit may make a free charge or maneuver. If charging, it must target the attacking enemy. And this is only a one-point cavalry attachment. Uh, I think, to start off with the attachment, just because it's a little simpler to talk about, I think this is an amazing attachment for the fact that, you know, for one point, having the option of... uh, basically counter charge it's i mean it's amazing to be able to uh you know do that you know it also gives merit to um let's say you free charge you could then attack you could get the free charge you could attack with their action and then it gives merit to taking the free maneuver to retreat with them before the round's over and then starting next round, when your your enemy attacks you, your the other unit that is engaged, they'll then get another free charge. Because uh, granted, this is wait, a free wait, 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 like wait, wait. just wait wait. Dave, I got to interrupt you. 
uh, a yeah. maneuver is not a maneuver is not synonymous with a retreat. So since the card specifically no, says I'm make talking a about the action, tactics board. I'm talking about the tactics board. Up. My bad. <laughs> no, yeah, not the not the ability, especially because it's an order. So if you used it for the charge, you wouldn't then be able to use it for the maneuver. Um, but yeah, I was just uh, so you'd you'd get the free charge. As their action, you would attack. You'd take an NC, you'd take the free retreat, and that would all happen in one round. The next round, your opponent is not going to want to attack the unit that they're in front of for fear that they're then going to let you trigger that free charge again. Uh, and like I said, for one point, uh, granted it's a 10-point unit for the champions of the stag, uh, I mean, why not one more point to just really make your... Uh, opponent fear attacking you for the fact that you're going to be able to, you know, get a free charge out of it. Free maneuver is still pretty nice too, because, uh, you know, obviously it doesn't matter who your opponent attacks. Uh, they just have to be within long. And this guy will really make up for the fact that the champions of the stag are a four inch move because the free Maneuver means they're going to move up four after you attack someone. Then they could activate, move up another four, and then possibly inflate, be in flank charge. And that in itself, combined with uh, what the champions of the stack already do, again, would make uh, the one point all the more worth it. Um, and, you know, it's just a great, uh, I think, attachment. That. Now onto the ta- uh, the unit, though. My only real gripe with this unit is the two-up save. I really hated two-up save with Flademan. I just, I don't know, it was very unenjoyable to have to play against something with an innate ability to, or the innate uh, um, stat of a two-up save. It just, I don't know. I guess that's just a personal preference, but um, otherwise, these guys, I, I like them. Um, I'd much rather them see them closer to like what flayed men are, you know, a three up save and maybe nine points. And, uh, I don't know. I really like these guys, but we'll see. Uh, I definitely be buying two units of them because, uh, just from the art, they look awesome. Uh, again, I'm going to jump over to Jose cause you know, I know you're our, you're another one of our, uh, Baratheon players. What do you think of these guys now that we have a cavalry unit, especially cause I know you're more of a Stannis <clears throat> player and the attachment is Stannis loyalty. Uh, yeah, so I'll start with the attachment. Um, I, I like the attachment. Uh, I think it's, it's a good support unit. Um, I think our support attachment, just cause like, you know, with, with you constantly being tied up as a Baratheon with different units and stuff and trying to hold different tokens down, uh, having these guys come out of nowhere and kind of like, like you said, give you like a free counter charge. Um, I shouldn't say free, but you know, a, a different way to do counter charge. Uh, it's going to be all the help more helpful. And um, I think that I think it's something that uh, a lot of breathing players could use. I think in, in their in their list. Um, as far as the unit goes, um, I do. <laughs> um, me as a breathing player, I love the unit, but like looking at it from just like a neutral, you know, just like a neutral perspective, um, I would agree with you. And I kind of don't like that it's a two up either. Um, I would have preferred, like you said, a three up. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I, it's funny that they even did that. I think just because I feel like they, you know everyone complained about Flayden, um 
and then they went and kind of like did the same thing with these guys. Granted, Slade men could be taken every fashion, so I don't know if that has something to do with it. Versus, obviously, you know, these guys are only for Brackens, so you know, it, it, it's not like you're going to see everybody using these across all the factions, obviously. So um, that could be why they did that that way. Uh, I mean, we got we got I got to see it. I got to test it and stuff. Um, personally, I don't see myself running more than uh, one of these just because of the point cost and especially if I use the attachments, like I said, I see it as more of like a, a support. Uh, granted, it can be so much more than that, but that's what I would, I think I would use it as uh, in theory. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think, uh, in, again, this is all in theory, but I, I think they're, they're great. I think they're worth 10 points. Um, but, you know, from a neutral perspective, like I said, I would have rather liked to see them with the three up on the save. So that's, that's where I'm at with both of those, uh, the attachment of the unit. I've had the pleasure of um, playing a few practice games uh, against champions of the stag, if you if you want to call it a pleasure. Um, they probably too early to call them a little bit overtuned, but they are incredibly strong. Um, just like when you play against the bloody mummers, uh, you would be surprised at just how many ones you roll uh, with a weakened token when you're trying to hit. Uh, you would be surprised just how often you roll a one for a defensive save and become weakened against these guys. Um, they've got a lot working for them. Uh, they're a cavalry unit. They have a really solid morale stat. They have a two-plus defensive save. Um, maybe lose any one of those things, and they're probably still worth 10 points. Um, they're going to be really difficult to fight, but then again, uh, it is 10 points in an army that's innately pretty slow and maybe lacking a little bit in the activation game. So um, maybe they're where they should be. Um, I, I, the jury's still out on it, but I, I can say that, um, yeah, if you're, if you're trying to fight these guys head on, you, you might as well forget about it. Um, their static attack profile is pretty nice too, uh, hitting on threes with critical blow all the time. They just do a lot. They're going to be. They're probably going to have a lot of people grumbling and complaining. Um, they're beatable. I killed them. I brought them down. It, it took a lot. It took a lot of start cards and a, a couple of units, but I brought them down. But then, then after they after they came down, you know, because they were one quarter of the army, the rest of the army crumbled. So it's hard for me to really sit here and make a big complaint when I did beat them when I played them, but. Uh, it took a lot, um, and maybe that's what they're going for. But uh, they just they just do a lot, man. They do a lot, um, and you definitely don't you can't just ignore them because they're a cab unit. So uh, they can get to you, yeah. and, and they can they can hurt you with their with their attack profile. So you definitely don't want them picking who they fight. So you've got to deal with them. But uh, I think. I think, like we were saying before the show, the the meta seems to evolve and change about every couple of months, pretty much every time something new is released and and something comes off the shelf and back onto the table. Um, I think Starks are going to start deploying their great axes again, and I think the Pyromancers are going to get their due time on the battlefield. Uh, I've ran my Gregor Pyromancer list against Baratheons in any form, and it is just absolutely the best answer to what Baratheons have. Um, 
you can you can just wreck their lines with pyromancers. So it's pretty exciting for me because pyromancers are one of my favorite units. So I would be pretty happy to see them being used more. So I think I think we're going to have to adjust to them. And just like everything else, you know, there's always some kind of knee-jerk reaction when they're released, and and people think that it's something that it's not. You know, we saw this with the stone thrower, and we haven't seen stone throwers dominate the table. Um, I think the one exception is, is Melisandre. I think across the board, pretty much everybody that's not a Melisandre player is pretty unhappy with her. But outside of her, everything has proven once it's on the table and once you've actually seen it that it's not this perceived unbeatable thing that it that it was thought when it was released. So I'm sure that we can adjust to them and, and do just fine with them. Blademan didn't automatically win when they were a two-plus defensive save and available to everybody. So I guess that's my take on it. Not my favorite unit to play, but they're definitely beatable. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, because I definitely, you know, admitted, admittedly I haven't played against or at, uh, with the champions of the stack. I guess it's just uh, too many games of the original 10-point Blademan that, uh, you know, have kind of sullied the water for two up save units for me. Um, granted, you know, same thing. I, you know, could beat Flayed Men too. It just was, I guess, a pain in the butt and, you know, uh, healing effects on two up save units is ridiculously strong. Like these guys, granted, they have the attachment for Stannis. These guys in a Renly uh, list where you're healing constantly is going to be very annoying, uh, especially if, you know, you have them, if you're running a, a charismatic air and, you know, they're within his bubble getting that four up morale uh, two up save and all of his uh, healing effects. Uh, with Renly is just going to be, you know, it's going to be kind of insane. So we'll see uh, where that kind of goes. Um, so we're kind of running low on time. So I'm going to briefly talk about the Greyjoys. I think we're going to do a different uh, show to kind of go in depth on, you know, the strategy and like the full, you know, thoughts on, all the Greyjoy units, and who knows, we might get a couple more uh, Greyjoy leaks by uh, that episode. So uh, first we'll start off with uh, the Ironborn uh, Reavers. So uh, at first glance, they, they're a nice mixture. So like it's, it's hard for me to find like a real like unit that they compare to like really well in the game. Uh, you're looking at six up, uh, six movement, five up uh, armor, seven up morale, uh, hitting on fours with eight, six, three, uh, thundering, and rolls plus one attack die and plus one hit uh, per pillage token on this unit. And their pillage ability is after completing a melee attack for each enemy rank, this unit destroyed, it gains one pillage token, and you may have up to two of them. So these guys could be at best rolling at hitting on twos with a 10, eight, five profile. Um, the chances of that are fairly slim with uh, just the info that we're given. Um, so we'll see if like, maybe there's a pill, like a way to get pillage tokens outside of their pillage effect, maybe an NCU or commander or something. Um, let's see. Next we go over the Reaver captain 
has outflank. You may hold this unit off the table instead of deploying it. At the start of any round as the activation, deploy this unit fully within short range of any flank or table edge. Uh, awesome ability. Um, I'm assuming one point. Um, it will definitely, uh, not that we're seeing a lot of them taken, uh, you know, stone throwers, uh, but this will definitely make you a little worried that you could basically outflank any any unit. Um, what is dead may never die. Amazing tactics card. When a friendly combat, this is a generic one uh, for the deck. When a friendly combat unit would be destroyed, that unit remains in play with D3 remaining wounds attached, and you attach this card to that unit. While attached, each time that unit performs an action before resolving that attack, it suffers D3 wounds unless you control the swords. So if you control the swords, you know, you could, you know, stay on the table quite a bit and uh nothing says you can't heal them so i mean i feel like this is even way better than it shall not end uh john's card you know keep bringing back zombie ghost so we'll see some of the crazy combos that potentially could happen with this card um next up uh you're on Greyjoy, uh which is a commander he has cunning cunning ploy Devious methods and mind games. So we'll uh, we'll see what some of those. Uh, I, I believe cunning ploy is already a card. Do you guys know his devious methods and mind games? Uh, are those cards that other commanders have? Sound familiar? They. I don't think so. I don't think. Uh, obviously, cunning ploy is a Tyrion card, but the other two I haven't heard of. Yeah, and Cunning Boy, uh, I know all three of his cards, I get the names mixed up, though. Is that the one where um, you can uh, activate uh, someone, then forego their activation? Yeah, you so, activate to have someone. a friendly unit, and then, and then a unit that's already activated gets to make another action, not an activation, just an action. So uh, it works yeah. really well when you've got a, a really hard-hitting unit and a unit like... Uh, uh, wardens who don't necessarily care to make their attack action or whatever they're going to do that round, and then you give it to something like uh, I think it'll actually add some merit to Sentinels, yeah, because they can uh, do even more out of turn attacks with their Sundering. So, oh wait, never mind. That's that's Baratheons, and we're talking about Greyjoys. I'm so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna. We'll have to see what the we'll have to see what the Greyjoys have, but, but presumably, just like every other faction. They'll have a unit that's a really heavy hitter, and they'll benefit from Cunning Ploy. Cunning Ploy is one of my favorite cards in the whole game. So, yeah, definitely. I've been able to with like Crossbowmen and Atarian lists. I've been able to fire, you know, between Cunning Ploy, like a double Cunning Ploy with uh, uh, what's the one where you can search the card out of your discard pile? With Tyrion is uh, not the late adaptive orders, tactics. but uh, yep, adaptive, adaptive tactics. tactics. So take the free attack, you shoot as their action, you cunning ploy, cunning ploy, adaptive tactics, cunning ploy, like, it gets ridiculous. So, <laughs> um, all right, and then uh, we have, uh, I think I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Quarrel, Q-A-R-L, it's uh, Asha's companion, uh, which, what's her name in the show? Uh, do you guys, Chris, do you remember? Um, just for those that haven't read the book, Asha and Osha 
were so close together that in the show they changed Asha to um, uh, Yara. Wasn't it? Is it Yara? Um, yeah, I think it is. But uh, it's it's um, it's Reek's uh, sister. So just uh, for those that um, didn't like make the connection or didn't really think about it, but yeah, Asha is um, is uh, the sister of Reek, and now I'm blanking on Reek's real name. Um, Theon. Theon, yeah. Theon, yeah. Theon's sister. Uh, so just keep that in mind uh, when you're seeing Asha uh, around. So, um, but Quarrel is Asha's companion, one point, um, and it ignores the usual restrictions. So it's going to basically be like bodyguard or just companion person that you're going to want to run. Uh, we don't have the abilities of Euron or Quarrel yet. Uh, it's just they're, that they're a commander and a one point. Um, let's see what do we have left here. Uh, I believe just uh, Asha Greyjoy, uh, the Kraken's daughter. Uh, so if the title didn't already imply uh, Asha, she has... She's Commander Ironborn Pride, Raider Bravery, and Warcry. I believe all three of those are unique um, cards that uh, we have not seen yet. So we'll see uh, what those kind of bring to to the table. So her abilities, she has Inspiring Presence. The unit's morale stat becomes a 5-up. And then Rally Point, every friendly unit within short may use this unit's morale stat for all morale tests. So pretty much just like Vance Raider. Uh, I forget if Mance Raider is a five or a six up. I want to say he's a six up. Um, he's a five now. Oh yeah, they changed five now. Yeah, they changed the five. Awesome. Yeah. Crazy so same that. ability as Mance now. Uh, she also has an order, stubborn tenacity. When this unit passes a panic test, one enemy engaged with the unit suffers D3 wounds. So kind of like Jor or uh, um, Jor Mormont or uh, Mage Mormont. So a really nice ability that, uh, uh, you know, if you stick this in a unit that you know, has a high morale, your chances are you're going to be able to be getting that free D3 wounds you know, practically every you know, every round. Granted, it's an order, so it's not every time you're attacked. It's just once you pass your test, your panic test once, it'll trigger. Uh, and then last thing I want to bring up, uh, someone did an awesome screenshot. Uh, I apologize. I do not know who did it, but thank you to whoever did. And, you know, uh, definitely uh, comment on, like, one of our posts. Uh, let us know that it was you. But it was uh, Greyjoy summary spoilers uh, from the the podcast for the Simon Expo. So uh, for the Greyjoys play style, they will keep healing uh, and buffing as long as they're winning and they're offensive focused. They have a pillage mechanic, which is a core, which is their core army mechanic, uh, and it'll benefit more for Greyjoy units, making neutrals a little less beneficial in a Greyjoy army. Uh, their weakness is a savvy opponent will be able to counterplay on units they see that are getting ready to be buffed by cards. Uh, quotes by Fabio. Uh, Fabio is good thing. Greyjoy has boat and don't normally fight in open battlefield. Michael says, uh, combat zone is one of the paramount, param, 
predominant zone for the Greyjoys. Fabio, you are usually paying premium to get this ability in other factions, but here you get this ability for any uh, of your unit, elite, or even archers teased. This is a backside of the card, which will be kept secret for now. Reaver uh, Captain. Uh, Michael says tactics deck is built around keeping your unit in the fight, being adaptive on who gets buffs and who doesn't. And Michael also says anything you say, it stay forever in the internet. Quote, Ironborn Archers is 110% in the starter box. I don't know if that's a typo, but it says anything you say it, stay forever in the internet. Uh, Starter box, Asha Greyjoy is in the starter box. Tactics card, morale, base effects, boons, and penalty to the opponent. Uh, Aaron Greyjoy in the starter box. Uh, A-E-R-O-N Greyjoy is in the starter box. And here box one is Euron, uh, unlike Victorian. Uh, Euron plays into more manipulative game before crushing you, and Quarrel has two versions. I'm guessing uh, maybe a commander. I'm not sure, but we'll see what those two versions are. So that kind of wraps up uh, the spoilers that we're talking about. Uh, we will go more in-depth with the... Uh, great noise uh in another episode because we're getting close and i wanted to announce our winners and kind of wrap up everything so uh but yeah i hope you guys kind of enjoyed uh you know all that i know we didn't really go into the great joys as much as probably some would have liked but like i said we're kind of running short on time and uh this is probably definitely a whole episode and it's on its own and you know we can definitely uh or i'm hoping that we can get a couple more spoilers to add to that as well so um for our winners i'm going to announce uh chris uh pulled them for me but uh, they are buried after all of our little chats chris you don't happen to have them on hand do you uh yeah i do which one do you want first uh, let's go with uh, our winner for the starter box, so the first draw. All right. Uh, forgive me if I butcher your name, but uh, <laughs> Felipe Galino. Congrats, and uh, just email me. Uh, if you use the nice watch starter that is in the hands of Brett. So if you want to, I guess if you're going to choose the nice watch starter, uh, message Brett with, uh, your address and whatnot. Uh, if you wanted a Stark or Lannister starter message me, uh, David Meckler. And if you don't want any starter, you do have the option of any two unit boxes from our stockpile. Uh, and then Chris, if you want to announce uh, our other winner, which will win any one, unit box of their choice from our stockpile. Uh, so, again, forgive me if I butcher your last name, but uh, Greg Vicazzo? Vizaco? Awesome. Congrats to you as well. So, just uh, you, you'll want to message me for sure because I have pretty much all the unit boxes. I think Brett has, like, one unit box so if by chance uh you want that one unit box uh you know we can discuss that but uh so 
just definitely uh, send me a message and we can work out uh, getting you that box. We are 15 likes away from our next giveaway, so that will go on to our next show if we can get those 15 likes. Uh, that will just be a unit box, but at another one thousand, once we hit a thousand, is when we'll do another starter box. Um, every 100 likes, we'll do a unit box, so uh, 600, 7, 8, 9, and then like we did uh, for this one, at a thousand, we'll do a starter box and a unit box. So definitely uh, share it out there. I mean, I think the main page uh, for Ice and Fire has like 7,000 something people, and we're at 585 so there's definitely a lot of people out there that uh, either have not gotten a chance to like the page or just don't know that we're out there so definitely word of mouth you know sharing out the page you know liking it uh, doing all that stuff you know will definitely help us and you know help us give away more uh, product um, again congrats to both you guys uh, make sure you uh, message us if we don't hear from you we'll definitely message you um, and to make sure you guys get uh, your stuff. Yep. And, uh, but yeah, that kind of concludes our show for tonight. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. I wanted to do some quick shout-outs as usual, especially, you know, with everything going on. I know at some places it's kind of, you know, winding down and a lot of places are opening back up. But still, uh, even with them opening back up, keep in mind, you know, to try to support your local shops you know, whether or not you're, they're open or not, you know, if they're open, go in, you know, see what, you know, you can do to help, you know, whether it be, you know, just getting the work and maybe you don't have, you're not financially in the position to help them out that way, you know, maybe try supporting them, you know, promoting them, you know, get your other friends to buy from them. Uh, you know, just do whatever you can in that regard. If you can't support them financially, if you can uh, see, you know, what, you know, buy whatever you can feasibly. Uh, if your shop isn't open, definitely email them, call them, do whatever you can to uh, try to support them right now. Because uh, without foot traffic, you know, I'm sure their sales are, you know, down, you know, tremendously. So uh, you'd be surprised. A lot of the your shop owners are probably still in their shop like every day, or you know, at least go in for a couple hours. Uh, so I'm sure they wouldn't mind, you know, wrapping some stuff up and shipping them to you. I know it might cost a little extra because you're going to have to pay for the shipping, where you, you could just walk in and get it. But, you know, uh, a lot of uh, these shops, you know, they don't have a ton of extra money to, you know, go and pay for all their overhead. Uh, especially, you know, think about uh, all the product that they bought uh, in anticipation to sell it and then get shut down, uh, you know, last second. And now they're sitting on all this product that they bought that they can't move uh, that they already paid for. So keep all that stuff in mind and just try to, you know, support your local shops. Uh, if you can't, or if you, uh, not that if you can't, but if you don't have a local shop and you just kind of order online at, uh, because you're not close to anything, uh, keep in mind um, to consider uh, family time games in uh, Indianapolis. Uh, Brett, if you want to take it from there and kind of give a shout out for uh, Shane. Yeah, of course. So Shane is, uh, as we've mentioned before on the previous shows, his wife makes the uh, math for the COVID-19 outbreak. Um, she is doing that for Indianapolis and she has them available for anybody. We have posted their um, page 
uh, website on um, the small council radio page. I'll go ahead and repost that link there. Um, Shane does have a lot of song of ice and fire stuff, but he has tons of games as well. So um, he is a big supporter of the Indianapolis community and he does a lot for everybody. So if you have the means by which to support him, he would greatly appreciate that. Um, as I said, I'll post the link on the, on the page once again, and uh, we appreciate everything you guys do for us. And uh, we appreciate you listening in. And I want to say a big congratulations to our winners tonight as well. Awesome. Yeah, definitely uh, check out, you know, sh- you know whatever uh, Shane might have available. I know distributors are opening back up, so uh, all you out there that uh, may not have been able to get a lot of the new product, uh, a lot of the shops should be able to get it in now. Um, uh, I think that still might depend. I'm sure there's some shops that can't, depending on what distributors are going through. But, uh, that, you know, definitely uh, it can't hurt to at least ask them. And you never know, there might be, you know, something they have already in stock that you didn't realize that they had. So, um, Can I do one more shout out out real quick? Oh yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, I don't know if everybody heard, but Gen Con was officially canceled today. So keep an eye out on the Song of Ice Empire page and, um, on the small council page. I am going to be working with, uh, some people with CMON as well as some of the other content creators, uh, like Tabletop Warden, Blitz Minis, who uh, on the table gaming, everybody that I can get a hold of. And I, I, I'm, a, I'm pretty sure we're going to put something together for the, the weekend of Gen Con that doesn't conflict with anything that CMON has going on. We will, we will find some way to do some kind of online gaming with some prize support. Um, but it's kind of in the works, so I just want to kind of throw that out there now just to, to give you guys a heads up because I know it's really depressing to hear that Gen Con has been canceled as well. So uh, we will be doing something for the community. So uh, just keep an ear out for that, and I'm going to pull as many uh, names from the community as I can together and put on something really special to account for the fact that Gen Con and AdeptCon were canceled. Awesome. Yeah, and uh... – you know, definitely keep that in mind. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be awesome, and you know, we're gonna. I'm sure everyone's going to factor and you know, take the precautions and all that you know, awesome stuff. Uh, so don't think it's just going to be a free for all. You know, where we're just trying to be uh, rebels. So definitely keeping your out. We're definitely good to post, uh, post updates whenever we have them on our page, and then uh, mention them on our shows uh, whenever we have them. Um, yeah, it's gonna another be shop. it's gonna be something on, online, Dave. Sorry. Oh It'll wow, be something man, that's... online. Yeah. <laughs> Scared me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, what should we call it? Um, another the last shout out I kind of want to give is just for other count, content creators out there. Definitely check uh you know check them out. You know they either do videos, they do podcasts, they do articles. Uh, you know everything under the sun. You know, definitely check out, uh, you know, Mythicos Gaming, uh, Blitz and Pieces, uh, On the Table Gaming, uh, Tabletop Warden, uh, Britt, am I missing any? I apologize to anyone out there that I'm missing the names. It's uh, hard to rattle them all off. Northern Realms Gaming, they're running that tournament right now, and they work aside yep. uh, Carlo with a Song of Ice and Fire stats. Yep. And uh, just kind of give uh, a little heads up out there to anyone listening. Uh, our shows, kind of what we have lined up um, right now is 
probably next week we're going to do a, the an update on the tournament because there's only going to be like two weeks left of it. And that'd be like a perfect time to kind of give, uh, you know, give an update before it all winds down to the end uh, with the last like four undefeateds. Uh, and then after that, I think we're going to do like a, a beginner show where we talk kind of about, you know, you know, the stuff about beginners and this could all be subject to change, but you know, that's kind of like what our outline is going to look like. And then we definitely want to get the Targaryen and Greyjoy um, uh, episodes out there to kind of talk about uh, the new stuff that's been leaked uh, or spoiled uh, since, you know, since we last talked about the Targaryens and, you know, the stuff that we talked about tonight, elaborate a bit more on it. So uh, definitely check out the other content creators. You know, they do a lot for the community and, you know, uh, seeing uh, what Chase has done with On the Table is kind of what brought me into wanting to do, uh, I initially wanted to do like a YouTube channel, but, uh, you know, it kind of evolved into doing the show. So definitely check them out and support them. You know, give them, uh, give them your views and your likes and whatnot and, you know, help uh, help uh, the content grow. Um, thank you guys for listening in. Uh, congrats again to our winners. Uh, thank you to my uh, co-hosts that are on tonight. Uh, you know, definitely if you guys, uh, if anyone listening out there, you know, comes across them, you know, give them your uh, give them your like because they, uh, you know, they do this, you know, out of their you know own time. They don't get paid for this, so uh, you know, I appreciate every you know that you guys are on pretty much every single week with me uh, doing this show. Uh, you know, like and share out the page, guys, uh, and thank you so much all for listening. This is the Small Council, and it is dismissed. <laughs>